Harley-Davidson FX-GTS Sport Live. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome out to another podcast. Uh, Laidlaw's Harley-Davidson here, sitting here with uh, Keith Hurt. He's What's got up, s- Matt? What's up? What's going on, man? He's got some pretty good stuff. Uh, topic of oil today, which I know is a hot topic among Harley-Davidson enthusiasts. So he's got some pretty good uh, intel and, and uh, information to share with us today. As I was checking out the comments from the last uh, the last po- first podcast, thanks for everybody that... Uh, that listened and um, made some good comments. I responded to a few people that had some specific requests, but uh, it seemed like an overwhelming topic was uh, oil. So I figured I'd pick that for number two. And um, it's a pretty broad topic, and there's a lot of information out there. So uh, I'll probably go a little long, but we'll try to keep it to the pertinent stuff. Yeah, right on. And uh, I'm going to share just a little bit of news as well, kind of some industry news and what this model year is going to look like moving forward. Uh, in the face of the coronavirus that we're going through right now and the corona economy or whatever you want to call it right now. So, uh, yeah, I'll, so I'll start off. So some big news yesterday. So a lot of you know that uh, the former CEO, Matt Levitich, who I think served for maybe five or six or more years as the CEO of Harley-Davidson, uh, stepped down earlier this year, either January or February. And uh, one of the board members, Johann Zeitz, who uh, is of German descent, he was on the board since 2007, he was the acting CEO uh, after Matt Levitich uh, stepped down. And just yesterday, they basically announced that Johan is going to be the, the permanent CEO. Yeah, kind of a, a big shift in leadership there. Uh, he's got some, you know, I, I think uh, a little bit different direction, kind of tweaking things a little bit more. I think he's putting a little bit more emphasis on really what the core uh, customer of Harley-Davidson mm-hmm. wants and what kind of made Harley-Davidson Harley-Davidson uh, for so many years now. And, you know, kind of focus a little bit more on what we feel like the, the U.S. market is looking for from Harley-Davidson. But he also has mentioned, too, he's not going to abandon the, the More Roads initiative that, that Matt Levitich put out there. And the More Roads initiative, if you're not familiar with it, was uh, introducing some of these new segments of bikes, like getting into, you know, uh, classes or segments of motorcycles that Harley-Davidson hasn't done before. Like, you got your Livewire that launched this year. Um which is obviously completely different than what Harley-Davidson's done in the past. And then you've got the the Bronx, which is a street fighter. And then you've got the Pan America, which is an adventure touring bike. Yeah, so I know there's a lot of excitement around those two models. We got to see some of them at the ICMA show last year. And for us in the technical world, too, it's a big shift. The engine design's completely new, and it's something new. And that, that excites us because we get to... Uh, learn about something that we don't already have experience with. Um, and so like the current platform, M8, it's been out for a few years. We pretty much know what's going on with all that stuff. So as technicians, uh, we get excited about these uh, these new models of Livewire 2. That's all new to us. And Is it excitement stuff. or is it some grumblings that now they have to learn a bunch of new stuff? No, man. I mean, I'm sure in some shops, you know, there's some grumblings. But I'll, you know, honestly, like uh, our guys are real excited about it. And we talk about it quite a bit, you know, some of our sales guys like Nick and those guys are real, you know, pumped up on, especially the Pan America. And that's a big riding segment out there that Harley's not in right now, you know, and like they're doing a good job, I think, of uh, in, in incorporating the technology that's available and trying to make uh, uh, the best vehicle that they can put forward when they actually come out with it. And, um, you know, for us, there's a lot going on there. It's a new engine, uh, new new frame, all new suspension technology, stuff that we don't normally see and like uh, yeah i'm I'm you're learning a a brand new animal basically yeah everything i mean and you know writing it's one thing but actually you know working on it and having the knowledge to to do it so i'm sure there's gonna be some update schools coming up and we're gonna send some people away to uh to training but yeah we're excited to see those ride those bikes and you know really get a feel for them and um, but yeah that's a that's gonna be neat this year when when, when we finally see those the live wire has been fun i mean personally i really love that bike i've ridden several of them now and um, just the power delivery, it's, it's amazing. And yeah, it's, it's a different experience, but yeah, it's super, it's real technical and there's a lot going on. The, I've interfaced a lot with the factory guys and, um, kind of worked, worked on some of them and yeah, it's, it's been fun. So, but yeah, we're the Pan America, I think is one that most people are talking about the most cause it's most far removed from what Harley normally does. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. The, the live wire has been really cool. You take everything uh, objective about the, the live wire and the pros and cons of everything and everyone says everything about the live wire is great. There's very few gripes about it, except for the price. When yeah. it gets to the price, that's kind of where, you know, the buck stops, so to speak, for a lot of people. But, yeah, um, you know, I'm sure Harley-Davidson will come out with electric bikes in the future that 
that you know uh, hit a lower price point for people that are looking to get into the electric vehicle world but don't yeah, have would, the pocketbook. I would book. tell people, you know, like I tell a lot of people, if you're in that arena or you want to be in that arena, before you, you know, count it out, I know the price tag is kind of steep, but before you count it out, come down and ride one. I mean, I know what they're doing, you know, they have a test ride initiative going on with those now. And, like, for me, you know, when I got on it, you know, and rode it, I was I immediately, like, was like, whoa, man, this is a whole different thing. Like, it's totally you know, opposite of what you're used to riding. So it's, but it's a lot of fun. Like it took, you know, uh, fun is like, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's, it's the funnest motorcycle to ride. Like even on the freeway around town, I mean, it has instant power right now. And so like customizable, you know, to the customer as far as the power delivery goes and, and easy to ride too, like relatively speaking, yeah. no shifting the gears or clutch or any of that stuff. Like that's, that threw me because, you know, I've got a lot of miles on a lot of bikes and just not having to, you know, pulling a clutch or kicking the gear. I still find myself when I come back to the dealership from a test ride on one, looking for the gear shifter, you know, it's just a habit, but, um, and some yeah. of like the, the aspect of shifting gears in the clutch. And, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I definitely do. Uh, of course I can appreciate, you know, getting on an electric bike and enjoying it for what it is. But a lot of guys, they like that aspect of riding, like to them, shifting the gears and using the clutch, that yeah. is part of riding a motorcycle. So yeah, there's something but, to be said for that. I guess if yeah. you're that old school, but yeah, it's it's you know it's, it's definitely an experience. So I would encourage anyone that's like you know in, even even passively interested, you know, ride one, get on one, go on test ride, and give feedback. So what you think? I mean, the the thing that amazed me the most about that bike, besides the power, um, is the the suspension. Like they have the new, you know, well it's not it's new to Harley, but the uh, big piston show a fork on the front and it's three-way adjustable as well as the uh, uh, shocks in the back, the mono shock in the back, but it soaks up anything you can throw at it so well. It's, it's a kind of a departure from what we're normally used to, like on a stock vehicle. Um, yeah. It, yeah, definitely uh, has a great suspension. And once you get dialed in, it's probably even better. I mean, this is unadjusted, just me jumping on yeah, it right now. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, um, so yeah, as, as, Part of I mentioned the More Roads Initiative, those two bikes, the Bronx and the Adventure Touring Bike, the Pan America, they were slated to come out uh, this year in the dealer announcement meeting. And typically speaking, the dealer announcement meeting is the end of August. And because of this whole COVID situation, that's all been delayed now. So, you know, for those of you who follow Harley-Davidson closely, you can expect to not see the new 2021 model years in in the summer this year. So that's all been delayed till January or February I've been getting a lot of questions about that because there's a lot of, you know, rumors going on about that, and, and it is true. So we're going to be seeing the 2020, yeah, the 2020 model year run through the rest of the calendar year all the way till about, you know, January time, like I mentioned, and then you know January, February, we can expect to see those uh, those two bikes, the Bronx and the Pan America. Yeah, that's that's going to be a weird one for me too. I mean, my whole career with Harley, or you know, you. August was when the new bikes came and there was a lull in July of getting bike shipments. And yeah, the timing of it's a little bit odd, but it didn't, it, it, I think it coincides more with what you would think a model year would be. It always, when I got into into in this industry, I was surprised to find out that, you know, in the car automotive world altogether, the new models come out and the car guys have been moving it up and up and up. I mean, there was, I think some of them were bringing out their new models in like January and February for the, following yeah, year it's like a year in advance almost yeah it's been it, crazy. it struck me as odd because as growing up i always thought you know oh, it's 2000 you know whatever and the 2000 whatevers are out yeah. but um the fact that, that they actually bring them out early surprised me um and harley was one of the later like as a big manufacturers go i think they're one of the ones later in the year um but uh, yeah i think it's gonna be a difference but i think it's gonna maybe be a good difference where it's you know a little more it's better for harley because they're gonna ramp down production in the in the in the winter time when traditionally you know besides here we enjoy a great long riding season yeah. but the rest of the country's pretty you know stagnant as far as riders go and people are kind of sitting at home checking things out well and that's one of the things they said too was they felt like with this model launch timing it was more in line with the beginning of the riding season and so mm-hmm. they may actually permanently switch the timing i don't know if they'll ever go back to august i, I don't know we don't really have that information at this point in time but you know to to kind of for for most parts of the country, well, a lot of the parts of the country where it's colder, yeah, you launch the bikes and you got one or two months of riding, and then yeah. you know the snow comes and it's kind of like a buzzkill. And you got these new bikes, you want to roll them out the out the door, and you know no one's buying because it's mm-hmm. you know snow on the ground. So 
maybe it's better timing now. I don't know. We'll see. But um, yeah, let's turn the time over to you now. Uh, you can talk a little bit about oil, Keith. Yeah. So this is a big topic. Um, a lot of people were asking questions in the comments, and we get into these discussions quite a bit. Um, so I figured we'd you know talk about oil, and you know, Matt, if you something comes up that I'm talking about, you know, and you got a question you want to throw at me, go for it. Um, but before I start, I just wanted to tell everyone like. This is my own opinion. This is my opinion based on my 20 plus years of experience as a service manager um, and what I've seen when we take these engines apart and when we diagnose issues. Um, and so like it might not necessarily agree with the, what you think or what Harley thinks or whatever, but um, that's kind of, you know, my disclaimer on what I'm about to tell you about. Um, and before I start, I just want to, you know, tell everyone, like, you can go as deep as you want on this subject. It's everybody has an opinion about it. Normally their opinion is based on something that someone told them. Like my personal opinion on oil was originally based on what my father brought me up on, which was Pennzoil. And, you know, he only swore by Pennzoil. He always used Pennzoil in all of our vehicles at home and stuff. And I did too for a long time. But, uh, you know, to sidebar a little, my first vehicle I bought was a 1992 Chevy S10. And one of the reasons I bought it was because the guy said those words, like, hey, I've only used a Pennzoil in it ever. And I was like, oh, cool, man, that's what my dad uses too. Awesome. Bought this truck, had it like a year, blew out a main bearing in the thing. I'm like, well, what's going on? So, like, being, you know, mechanical and int mechanically interested at the time, I'm like, oh, I can, you know, diagnose and fix this. So I ended up taking the engine apart. Well, right when I removed the rocker cover, I realized that we got a problem. There's a bunch of sludge in here. So... Like, that's only caused by oil, right? So my point is, like, that was my opinion up to that point. Now my experience at that point told me, like, hey, Pennzoil is not the one to be using, man. That's a mess. So up until that point, you know, my experience was based on my father's experience and what he had told me. I trusted him, you know, and he didn't know any different. But, you know, you're talking about the early 90s, like, probably like 1990, 1991. Um, and technology has progressed a lot since then. But, yeah, at that time, you know, I realized right away, like, hey, oil is everything. Um, and you know, don't just take someone's word for it, you know, and you got to learn, get educated and learn on your own. Um, so, you know, that was my kind of intro story. Um, what I would tell you is, you know, if you want to learn more about oil and then we'll link these two, uh, documents or web websites into the, the podcast. Um, the most substantial one was, just, and it's a little old, um, it's from 2009. It was done by Amsoil. Um, but it's the only uh, motorcycle-specific oil study that's so in-depth um, that, that I'm aware of. And I've, I've read it before, and in this, preparing for this, I reread it. There is a bunch of information in there, and the tests they do are super legit. Um, and they tested, like, I want to say fifth, they have two different categories, but the category related to Harley is like 50 multi-viscosity, 50-weight oil. Um, and they test both Sin 3 and... And, and Harley Davidson 360 at the time, and then a bunch of other oils, Maxima, um, I can't even name them all right now, but there's a bunch. And, uh, of course, you know, at the end they sum it all up. They do a good job. They do. They did a really good job, and they explain why they're doing the test and what tests they're doing and what's going to reveal. Then they give you the results, and at the end they have this rating scale of how the oils performed in all these different categories. Theirs is the best, right? Yeah. No, yeah, no surprise. Amsoil is <laughs> at the top, which – but. I, I thought about that too. And I was like, you know, looking at, you know, how could they have swayed, you know, these were done by end I think five different independent laboratories, the same test. So how could they have, you know, they were paying for it obviously, but so they could have swayed it somehow, I'm sure. But there's the, the way they describe the test is so specific. They, they couldn't have, um, they could have engineered their oil to perform better in those tests, but I don't see how they could have fixed the results, you know, and, and still be, um, you know, above board and they actually have an affidavit and the last page of it signed by the testing company that did the testing. That's not affiliated with Amsoil, mm -hmm. you know, an official document saying, Hey, these I certify, it's like a science scientist guy. I don't remember his name, but he signed it, you know, certifying that he's who he is and that so these tests were done. Party yeah. So they got a third party. It, so it'd be yeah. non-biased. Yeah. So I point that out only because it is the most comprehensive one. These tests are expensive to do, and, like, you know, I don't know of anyone who's doing one currently, but maybe someone out there is going to redo it because, it, you know, it's, what, 11 years old now? So uh, oil tech, all technology, including oil technologies, uh, substantially increased in the past, you know, decade. Um, so, hope, you know, maybe someone out there will do it, but it's expensive, you know, especially to test all that oil and see what happens. So. Um, the other thing is, and the other article is um, from Revzilla. It's from uh, 2016, a little more recent. 
the one the thing I, the reason I point that out is and it's a little more simple. It's it's if you don't want to if you're not a techie guy and you don't want to get deep into what these tests mean and all this stuff, it's a real simple breakdown of hey, here's what oil does. Here's why you need it. Here's you know what we would recommend. And Revzilla is a website they sell tons of different oils. So it's kind of like you know more of a layman's version of of like hey here's 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 two bits about oil and like here's you know read it and form your own opinion pretty much. But um, yeah, so there's that. So we can go into you know I wanted I figured I would discuss a few things. You know like uh, my number one tip is. And hopefully it's no surprise, but check your oil and check it often. Like, if you don't listen to anything else I say, tune out at this point or whatever, check your oil. Just go out to your bike right now and check it. Put it on pause or whatever. Um, that's the one thing that a lot of people don't do. So what are people checking for when they check their oil? I mean, like level, the color, you know, going yeah, down Yeah, so level, level is the most important. You know, there's the oil full. Um, it's, you know, depending on your model and year, most, for Harleys anyways, the most for the last, as far as I can remember, um, they're all on the side stand. So on the side stand, hot is when you should really check it. So you want to warm up your bike. Maybe if you can go for, you know, a quick ride or whatever, um, get it warm. Um, Harley's officially says that uh, warm temperature on engine oil is 185 or better. Um, it takes, you know, probably 10 minutes of riding to get to that, that temperature. Not hard riding, but just, you know, regular street riding. Um, so, yeah, and then certain models, you know, in the past, uh, sportsters and some soft tails like uh, twin early twin cams and late Evos, um, it's on the on the vehicle upright, so you got to kick it off the side stand and pull the dipstick. So, um, generally, as a rule, like if your dipstick swivels, it's normally you know on the so- on the side stand. If your dipstick's straight and doesn't move, um, then normally it, the bike will be upright. Now, on the late model bikes, the dipstick's straight, but it has two marks on it. There's a hot mark. And a cold mark, so you want to be, you know, in between there. It gives you the option of checking it, checking it cold too. So um, the reason behind that is as oil heats up, it expands obviously, so it gets the volume, you know, basically it grows in the in the in the uh, reservoir. So um, you want to check it hot. Um, you know, also look at the condition of it. If it's got a lot of of uh, bubbles on it and stuff like that, then the anti foaming properties of you know have worn out on it. The viscosity might be suspect a little bit. Um, so, you know, Harley Davidson service intervals every 5,000 miles. So, um, I would, you know, be checking for that too, but. So before you move on too long, you know, about the studies that you mentioned, so what, what are the findings in those studies that you found were like the most interesting, like what, what's kind of the takeaway information kind of for the listeners and like, where where did Harley Davidson oils rank? Should they be using Harley oils? Should they be using aftermarket oils like AMS oil? Like what what oil should people people be using? That's the most important question. That's the question everyone asks. So I probably jump into the top. Yeah. No problem, man. Let's get into it. So. Um, as far as to answer your question, the Harley Davidson Sin Three Oil, I think it ranked like number five out of eighteen. I want to say the big numbers eighteen. It might be sixteen. Anyways, it was like number five, and HE three hundred and sixty oil was like a solid like twelve. And it that brings up a good point because when you look at that graph, the HE three hundred and sixty was a solid twelve. You said yeah, it's a, so tw- that, it's that's like a twelve. Har- that's another Harley oil, like a, correct. The regular that's the HD, yeah, Correct. Harley offers, um, as most manufacturers do, they offer. Uh, a standard oil like HE360 is their standard regular oil. Um, they offer a synthetic blend, semi-synthetic. My you know opinion on that is that uh, nobody buys 89 octane gasoline anymore, right? So there's always three octanes at the pump. You got 91, 89, and 87. Everyone's either on the cheap end with the 87 or on the high end with the 92. The, no one buys a mid-grade fuel. So like no one buys mid-grade oil. I don't think we sell very much of it at all. I don't know really why you would. Uh, yeah. But it's a blend between the two, like regular oil and synthetic. It's kind of a mid-grade, you know, if you want to call it that. Um, and then the Harley-Davidson Sin 3 is the, you know, the syn- Harley-Davidson syn- the synthetic version um, of the oil. So And that ranks about sixth, you said? Third. Oh, no, fifth. I'm sorry. It was fifth. Okay. So On the AMS oil test. On the AMS oil test. So the reason behind that is, like, they test, so a little bit about, which it's a, this is actually a good segue. Motorcycle oils are not all the same so the the oils they they tested are in the same category most harley most motorcycles including some harleys like the v rods the streets they share the engine oil transmission oil and primary oil all in one container it's all inside the engine and circulates through all three that presents its own set of circumstances that a certain oil is engineered for that works better 
And that's so, the way Harleys are shipped, right? Basically with the, the same oil in all three cavities? Um, no, they have, uh, so a CVO, yes. So CVO uses Sin, all Sin 3 in all three cavities. The regular Harleys, like a standard bike, you know, all everything but a CVO. They have uh, regular oil in the engine. They have Formula Plus in the primary and the transmission. Those are specifically designed, and if you want to get down to the meat of it, what my recommendation is, don't use the same oil in all three cavities. An oil that's made for the engine does not perform this as well in the transmission. And the re- there's a lot of reasons behind that. Now, um, everyone always asks, like, you know, why is the in- why is the why is the gearbox oil or the transmission oil heavier? Well, the reason it's heavier is because the element chains in it are longer. Why they're longer is because the gears inside the transmission mash up those and break up those element chains in the oil. So over time. The oil in the transmission, although it stays clean because there's no combustion or contaminants going on with it, it it thins out because it actually breaks up the elemental chains in the in the in the oil from they call it shearing. So that's one of the tests on the AMS oil test. They they test for shearing. Now it's not fair to test Harley Davidson's engine oil against an oil that's built for multi-purpose gearboxes like that because they they don't ever recommend their oil for that that purpose except for the Sin Three, right? So that's why the HD360 like performed a little bit lower because they did perform that shearing test on it, and it it's did not a well. fair comparison, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so there's you know the, there's all oils on the spectrum there it, in that test. They did not test Formula Plus, or at the time it would have been uh, Harley Davidson had semi synthetic transmission lubricant um, as well as their own different primary oil. So that, that back then there was three different oils that they offered in the regular range. They didn't test either one of those other two; they just the engine oil only. So that's kind of why, you know, those results are, you know, the way they are. Now, Amswell is one of those manufacturers that, that recommends their oil in all three, you know, cavities of the Harley-Davidson engine. Um, so they have it engineered that way, and it, it works works well. So that, that whole discussion, too, about synthetic versus regular is a big one that always comes up, you know, and uh, people that have been around this industry for a while, for years and years and years, when I got involved, Harley-Davidson – uh, said that do not use synthetic oil in our engines. And when they came out with their synthetic oil and they said, hey, you can use this this one and you can use it in all three gearboxes, it threw everyone off. Like They're like, hey, for years you've said don't use this oil. Now, the reason is it's and it, all these lubricant conversations go back to engine design and function, like how the engine functions, right? So in as a matter of comparison, a Harley engine is, you know, uh, 45 degree V-twin, push rod actuated, you know, roller bearing bottom end. That's where it all kind of comes. The roller bearings and the crankshaft is where it kind of the rubber meets the road with the oil conversation. As opposed to a car that has like a plane bearing bottom end, they require they have a whole different requirement. So the, the there's no like rollers in the bottom of, of a car. The, the connecting rods basically have a wearable bearing on them that's bolted right around the journals on the, on the crankshaft. Where Harley has a roller you know bearing there that's actually a moving piece a mechanical piece that that rolls so it needs a little bit of that friction so back then there was some skating of these rollers attributed to engine failures and stuff like that Um, skating of the rollers explain that so the rollers when the the idea or the the theory at the time was that the uh the synthetic oil was causing the rollers not to roll instead to just you know, kind of stay in place. They didn't have enough friction to roll. Like slip almost, they would yeah. slip around the crankshaft instead of roll. Gotcha. And then it would create friction and then it would create heat and eventually bearing failure, right? So that was basically Mobile One was the only one in the in the market for synthetic oils back then. So Harley, you know, really quickly said, hey, don't use synthetic oil and our engines are not designed. That oil is not designed for our engines. We're, our engines are not designed to use that oil. Don't use it. It's almost too slippery in a yeah, sense. Yeah, almost too slick in a sense. Um, which, you know, caused Mobile One to kind of re-engineer their, their additive package and come out with a V-twin-specific oil. Um, so hmm. that's kind of the, you know, history of that. And just to briefly discuss, you know, the main difference between regular oil and synthetic oil is the regular oil is made from crude oil stock that comes out of the ground, you know, your traditional, you know, oil. So they, they refine that, and in that process it makes gasoline and lubricants and, tire, you know, tire rubber and all these different things. So uh, synthetic oil is different in the manner that it's the base stock that they refine it out of is engineered in a laboratory to produce a specific result of whatever they want that oil to be, which is why it's more expensive because there's a lot more waste in that process. So synthetic oil, they they engineer a base stock, they refine it into the oil they want it to be, 
and then they discard pretty much discard the rest or find another use for it. But um, there's not a lot left over. So with the regular process, there's a lot of other applications for that byproduct. But with the synthetic oil, there there isn't. Mm-hmm. So hence the price difference, you know. Gotcha. And it's specifically designed to be that what it is. Um, so but after they refine it, they put additives into it. So zinc is a big one. Um, there's a lot of other ones. They have a lot of zinc's like an anti-wear agent. They have anti-foaming agents. They have all these different things. So like if you wanted to make your own oil, you know, like Matt Layla heart oil, you can go to a, you know, oil refinery. There's only, there's not a ton of them like Lucas and Am's oil and, uh, Sunoco, um, big ones like that. And you can pay them to make, to put whatever additives you want in that, in that oil. You know, the assumption is your company is going to assume the risk and you've done your research and you're going to actually, you know, be the one responsible for the oil, but they're going to manufacture it for you. Right. So, um, that's kind of that, you know, manufacturing the side of it and the, you know, going back to like the purpose of it. So both of these articles kind of go into this and it's a, it's a very important point, um, is that, that you should be using the oil that your engine's designed to use. So you have these questions that come up a lot. Like, you know, my buddy says or mix a quart of 30 weight or 40 weight or 50 weight or straight weight oil into my, you know, two or three quarts of 2050 oil or mix a quart of 10W30 to my, no, don't do that. That's a bad plan. The like, chemistry in the, in the garage is never really a good idea. Yeah, your buddy's oils. chemistry is off. Like both of these articles and specifically the Revzilla one makes a, a make great point right off the bat. You can never go wrong with the OEM manufacturer's recommended recommended oil. It's funny how the manufacturer knows what's best for the bikes that they yeah. build and design. Right? Yeah. Yeah, how that works. So yeah, they they make that point early and and they make it a couple times I think in their article. Um, and the Amsoil one kind of come comes into the summation at the end where that actually comes up like, hey, you can never go wrong using the manufacturer's recommended oil. Um, that's just so, so where it's yeah that that's the biggest take away from any of this stuff yeah um, and so, don't you know try to get weird with the formulations and all these you know different things just use what the manufacturer recommends and if you change your if you check your oil often you change your oil when you're supposed to change your oil you can't go wrong with either one there's significant benefits to synthetic oil like it you know it you know an oil's job is threefold it's to clean to cool and to lubricate so synthetic oil does all those things better a little bit better actually in some cases much better than than regular oil, but if you're changing your oil often, you know, that was a, a popular thing when synthetics first came out. Hey, I can extend my oil life interval. Um, that's not the reason to use it. it, it the reason to use it is because it does those three things better than, than regular oil. Still change it when you're supposed to change it. Don't increase your service interval. Um, it's, it, it's not, you know, it's not meant for that purpose. It's meant to do its job better than superior to the, the, the original oil. Um, so that's, you know, that's that's kind of where it where it all begins and ends. You know, with with all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so so a guy comes into you know our shop for example, he he wants us our, our best expertise on what mm-hmm. to do. Let's say he has a twin cam or a Milwaukee eight, and he just says, you know, what do you guys recommend? You know, what are you gonna yeah. what are you gonna put in that guy's bike? I'm gonna recommend the Harley Davidson three oil for the engine, and I'm gonna recommend the Formula Plus oil for the uh, transmission and primary. Um, if they you know. If they want to, you know, go with a better oil, like in the transmission or something, uh, Bell Ray is a good one. Um, but I would really keep the primary oil with, with the Formula Plus. The friction modifiers and stuff in the because of the you know Harley Davidson is a wet clutch situation, um, and the the slipperiness of the oil ha- makes a big difference in the clutch, the way the clutch actually works. Um, and so I that's that's my you know standard recommendation. Um, you want the best recommendation, that's it. Um, for a lot of different reasons. Number one is it's readily available anywhere you go, right? Any Harley Davidson dealer is going to have that oil. If you if you're on the road and you need some, you can stop at any Harley dealer and get it. Um, that's that's one. Number two is is it just sorry to interrupt, but yeah. is it bad to like okay, I'm going to do synthetic one time and then I'm going to go back to regular oil the next time? Is it bad to change the fluids around? No, in your bike? You, you can do that. That's no problem. Um, you don't have to flush anything out or anything. That's because the, what I was kind of talking about earlier. In car in the car world, that you're, that's a no no, and the reason why is because those plane bearings I was talking about in the engine, they act, the oil actually uh, it penetrates and permeates those, and it stays in the actual plane bearing you know design. With the roller bearing setup that Harley has, it it 
it doesn't like soak into anything. There's nothing for it to soak into. It's all metal. So if uh, I'm a guy who's rolling the sin, sin three and all three cavities and I'm listening to this podcast, yep. I'm like hmm, maybe I'll use the formula plus in my transmission in my primary. There's yeah. no problem in draining those and pouring the formula plus right in there. No, there's no problem at all. Okay. Yeah. In car world, they flush the engine, cool the engine oil system. And then they, then they switch to synthetic. Um, you, you you shouldn't directly mix the two together. So if you're running synthetic or Syn3 and you're going to switch to Formula Plus, drain it all the way out and put the Formula Plus in. Uh, there's But there's no reason to flush or anything like that. It's not going to – there's not enough oil stays in those two particular spots to, you know, create any kind of, like, contamination issue. They can mix they can mix with each other on a small extent, but they say not to, you know, pour them directly together. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my, you know, that's my – Standard answer. Um, so, so you mentioned Amsoil mm-hmm. um, being, you know, they had the tests. Um, they came out on the top on their tests mm-hmm. to be used for all three cavities yeah. on Harley Davidson. What's your opinion on on Amsoil? A guy walks through the door and says, "Hey, I, I want Amsoil and everything." Like, what? I mean, what are you saying to that person? Uh, I mean, if you know a customer asks my opinion, it's different than you know being like they have their own opinion formed already. Like I'm. You know, I'm here to advise, but I'm also in customer service. If they have an opinion about something, unless it's completely detrimental to, you know, uh, to what we're trying to put forth. Like if it's something that's like I really don't approve of, I'll, you know, hey, you know, kind of like approach it like, hey, dude, you, have, you know, why, why would you do it that way? Like this is what has, this is why we recommend what we do and try to educate. But, you know, Amsoil, you, you can't. It's, 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 there's no harm to be made. Like if they want to do that and that's fine. I mean, I, I so can tell you. comes in, he has yeah. his own oil, puts it on the counter and says, put this in. You guys, you know, yeah. there's no problem. As long as it's in, meant for that purpose. Yeah. As long as it's meant for that purpose, you know, and if, if it's something that's totally wacky, like, you know, trying to give us 30 weight oil to put in their twin cam or whatever. Um, it's, yeah, we won't do that because that's going to cause some kind of damage or, or whatever. Right. We don't want to be responsible for that, but. Um, if it's, you know, if it's, if it's intended for that purpose and the manufacturer, the oil says that it's good for that, then yeah, that, that's cool. You know, you got an opinion about it and that's what you like, then yeah, that, awesome. Let's do it. Um, but you know, that's different than a recommendation, like, you know, customer coming and saying, Hey, what do you recommend? Then I'm going to give them my recommendation. If they come in and say, Hey, this is the oil I use and this is what I want to use. Cool, man. That we're not going to, we're not going to discuss it that you have an opinion. Let's, let's do it. What about weather? Like, you know, what if I live in Minnesota in the winter and I want to take my bike out, you know, compared to maybe Las Vegas where it gets extremely hot? That's why they, you know, modern oils are multi-viscosity, you know, so the 20W is, you know, basically how it performs colder in the wintertime and the 50 weight is how it performs hot. So um, there's a lot of nuance to that. It's the testing the viscosities at different temperature ranges and stuff like that. Um, so that oil, you know, Harley's recommendation of 2050 oil is good in pretty much all climates, um, unless I think they have in the they have a recommendation of like 2050. I'm sorry, uh, 1030 or 1040 when the temperature is like constantly below zero or something like that. This is Harley Davidson's. Yeah, so oil the owner's have. manual they have a little you know thing, but um, I mean, unless you're, I don't know who's riding their their bike often in zero degree weather, which there might be some guys, you know. Um, I met a guy from Alaska the other day that's trying to get his bike going and has been sitting outside in, in uh, Fairbanks, Alaska for the last six months. And I'm like, bro. They're, they're out there. So yeah. I, I, just, I was just looking so for both I guess sides of the spectrum. I guess they're there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like 2050 is the way to go. Like, that's it's readily available. So so your, your recommendation stands regardless of weather. Yeah, you know, and the, it's – The Sin 3 and the engine. Yeah, it's based on that, um, what I know, you know, what I've experienced about oils and having the heavier oils in the transmission and the primary and the clutch being a little bit uh, finicky with oil. And also price. Price is a big one. And, and the, both of these surveys, you know, these uh, reports discuss that uh, price. There's a point at, in time, like Harley-Davidson, you know, oil is, is moderately priced compared to what's out there. There's – there's oil that's 25, well, there's more than that. Like my wife's car takes this transmission oil that's supposed to be lifetime oil, but if you have to change it, it's like $49 a quart. You need three quarts of it. It's 150 bucks for a transmission oil. You're like, what the heck? But my point there is like it's moderate. Harley-Davidson oil is moderately priced. There's stuff that's cheaper. There's stuff that's way more expensive. Yeah. It, the cost benefit becomes a, 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 an issue at some point. Like how... You know, if you're changing your oil often, do you really need 
$25, $30 oil, oil right. a quart, like $14, $15, $16 oil a quart is going to do just as good for you. And why, I know, I mean, you know, and they're, they're, you don't always get what you pay for, I guess, is my point. Yeah, but you have point. a disproportionate, you know, cost versus yeah. benefit with the more expensive oil. Basically. Yeah, that, that oil, that oil. so, you know, hardly oil, I don't know, I didn't look at the retail price today, but I think it's like 14 or $15 for a quart of Synthry, right? A, a quart of oil that costs $25 isn't going to give you 50% more protection than that or quart of oil that costs 50% less. It just it doesn't, the math doesn't yeah. play out. So that's why, you know, I recommend it. It's availability. Um, it's, you know, it's never going to cause you a problem. Um, it's fully warrantyable. You know, I have seen is- issues where like, especially if a customer doesn't maintain their bike well, and the, 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 the warranty company will ask for maintenance records. Um, I haven't seen them specifically deny anyone's claim based on oil alone, but lack of maintenance for sure. You know, if yeah. the oil's burnt, nasty, and old, and have a failure, they're probably not going to cover that. Like, it's, you know, it's not it's not going to happen. Um, so is it safe to say when, because I think a, a large uh, piece of this conversation is always about longevity of the engine. Yeah. What what oil can I use yeah. to prolong my engine and uh, deter it from the possible mechanical breakdown? That's a, that's a good point, too. So... That my recommendation is also based on my observation of tearing of disassembling these bikes and for upgrades and repairs and all a lot of different reasons. By and large, like the the ones that have Harley Sin three in them, the engine components on the inside are very clean. Like the, the especially if the customer you know changes it when they're supposed to, they're clean. There's no etching. There's no discoloration. There's no burning. There's no weird wear patterns. You know or anything like that. It's very normal wear that we see associated with, you know, internal engine and transmission components and stuff like that. Um, you know, I don't want to throw anyone specifically under the bus, but I have taken apart engines, same experience that I had with Pennzoil. I've taken apart customers' engines that swore by a certain brand in the past and been like, whoa, what is going on here? It's all discolored and burned. And they'll, they're, they'll tell you, like, I've changed my oil every, you know, 5,000 miles, and I've only used this particular brand, da 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 da, da. Um, And, you know, it's it you look at the parts tell a story i tell i said all the time you, yeah. you know part the parts tell a story you look at the part and it's just like it's hammered and you're like whoa man uh, don't use that oil mental note yeah. um and then then you got to have the conversation with the customer and I, I invite them into the shop like hey let's look at what failed in your bike and let's discuss why and how and all these things mm-hmm. and then they're looking at like well why do my parts look like that this particular customer that i'm recollecting was like why are my parts all yellow like that it's like that's your oil my friend, like <laughs> that oil that you're yeah. so in love with, it, that's, that's what, that's what caused that. So, you know, that's an important, you know, discussion to have to, um, you know, I, I could name out the brand, but I don't really want to, I don't want to get, it doesn't <laughs> wanna, really matter. I don't want to hear the, I don't want to hear the uh, negativity the associated yeah. with it. But yeah, there's, it's um, funny. Cause uh, I mean, I think just as much as people have our brand loyal to a certain makes of motorcycles people are very brand loyal to oil you know they some, are. some like the, yeah, the gearheads and guys that are really into it yeah they like are some brand loyalty out there yeah, and the, the, the interesting thing there is by in my experience those guys are the guys that normally maintenance their bikes the most right um and they're they're most like they want to like be, do the best they can for their bike um and you know so that's that's an interesting you know caveat too like those guys that are really into that you know that segment are the ones that are doing the most maintenance on their bikes, you know? Um, Maybe we'll have to have another topic another time just about, you know, servicing yourself as compared to servicing at a dealer and, you know, maybe the, the, um, the pros and cons of it, maybe there's the savings there, but maybe there's a, a a warranty risk there, you know, if it's not done properly. So maybe we'll have have to go into that in a, in a future episode, but yeah, maybe yeah. Maybe you can comment on that in just in two or three sentences. Yeah, I mean, my my quick take on that is, um, it's okay to service your own bike. You know, I I prefer that you bring it here where we 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 have the latest technology with professionals. We know what's going on. We know the service bulletins and what what's up. Yeah, um, aside from the fact that that's our job and that's how we make money here at the dealership. Yeah, but there's other. It's okay to service reasons. your own bike, but I would recommend that if you're if you're doing that, make sure um, you're buying quality oil, you're buying quality parts, you're buying proper oil filter. Oil filter is another one, like you know the. Um, these twin cams and Milwaukee 8s require a much uh, higher filtration, like a 5 micron or better filtration. The reason behind that is they have piston cooling jets on the bottom of the piston. It sprays misty oil on the bottom of the piston to help cool the, 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 the piston. So that, uh, that orifice in the, in the jet is, is uh, just a, a little larger than 5 microns. So if you have like an Evo oil filter, on, on for instance, they're 10 micron. 
if your filtration is only 10 micron, you could clog that jet up. So that's the reason that filtration is important. You got to have the right filter. Like you you got to have the right get, filter. You get the wrong filter. Yeah, get the right over. parts. Um, if you're going to maintenance your own bike, get the service manual, man. Like, yeah, get, you know, mandatory. go online at least and check it out and get yourself familiar. The service um, manual is a Harley Davidson manual. Yeah. That is, you know, written and you know, yeah. gives you a really detailed outline of how to do all this. You don't know stuff. how many times I get the call like, hey, man, I pulled my oil drain plug and only a little bit of oil come out. Well, there's a plug on the bottom of the engine that's not the oil drain plug. That's not the one you pull to drain the oil. So don't pull that one. It's it's for it was there for like the machine when in the original casting process to they cap it off with a plug that's not supposed to be removed. So, you know, back to what you're saying, though, if you're going to maintenance your own vehicle, buy quality parts. Keep your receipts. Maintain your own logs. Just in case it ever comes up, you can say, hey, yeah, here's when I, and, and you know, I'll, besides keeping the receipts, document the mileage. Like, hey, I changed my oil at 5,280, you know, miles, and here's, the, here's my receipt for the parts I use. That's proof, right? Yeah. So that's fine. But if you're going to, and if you're doing it at home, man, more power to you great but get educated do it the right way you can mess things up just by doing simple oil change believe me i've had it all happen um but also at least once in a while come to the dealership and ask us to check your vehicle for recalls that's one thing that gets skipped it used to get skipped a lot of dealers now the uh, harley the dealer management system does it automatically it as soon as you put a vin number in it comes up with if it has any recalls or not that allows us to help you keep your bike current and safe, you know, and we do that automatically. We also update the radio software. We update the uh, calibrations in the ECM and stuff like that if it needs it. These things we do automatically when we service a motorcycle that you're not going to get at home. unless. Well, and not to mention all the other stuff too, yeah. Keith. I mean, a lot of, I know a lot of guys say, I service my bike. Well, it's yeah. like, well, did you adjust the steering head bearing? Did you check the, the belt tension? Did you did you check uh, the, the critical fasteners? Spoke tension's a big one. There's a mil- yeah, yeah, there's a million different things that people aren't doing, you know, yeah. if they service their own bike. So, you know, get the service mail and do it right. Yeah, and like most dealers, I mean, I think most dealers these days, like we make the statement that we meet or exceed Harley-Davidson's maintenance recommendations. For instance, spark plugs. They say your spark plugs can go 10,000 miles, right? We, you're supposed to inspect them at 5,000. What's the point of taking a, like on Milwaukee 8, for instance, what's the point of taking the gas tank all the way off, taking all four spark plugs out, because you have to do to get to the middle ones, and taking them out to look at them to put them back in? Yeah, when, when spark plugs are relatively They're inexpensive, inexpensive right? right? So we replace them, um, and I've yeah. never had a negative, I've never had a negative byproduct of replacing yeah. some spark plugs too me. early. 15, 20 yeah. bucks, and I don't want to pay for that. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it, it doesn't there's happen. no reason to look at a spark plug and put the same spark plug back yeah. in. Um, but, yeah, that's just an, that's just an example um, of it. So that's, you know, that's a big one that comes up a lot. And that's cool. You know, we get we get those calls and questions. So, yeah, just a couple more, you know, in kind of trying to kind of bring it. I know we're going a little long, so trying to bring it to an end real quick. A couple more side notes I wanted to mention um, about oils. Um Temperatures of temperature is very important. You know, the maximum temperature is what I'm referring to, um, which like, like I said earlier, synthetic oil stays in its grade longer. Um, so like a regular oil can stay in its grade, like, you know, three, three, low three hundreds and, you know, temperature, uh, a synthetic oil is like, you know, above 350, 360, 370, it'll still provide that lubricating effect. So when, a lo- when oil goes out of the viscosity range, it's no longer lubricating the, keeping the engine parts from contacting one another. It gets too hot. It gets too hot and too thin. Um, so that's, that's important, you know, and oil coolers can help that things like that. Um, definitely around here. I recommend that if you live in a desert environment, Har- Harley's new has a new one now. That's like a fan inducted oil cooler for the, uh, the Milwaukee eights, which is a, which is a good if you're riding for long periods of time in high heat or you're stuck in traffic in your daily commute a lot, that's a good one because it'll keep air flowing over the oil cooler and keep the the oil cooler, um, the engine oil cooler. Um, Oil consumption is one I wanted to mention. People have a lot of questions about oil consumption. Um, Hey, my bike's consuming too much oil. So we try to quantify that, like how much is too much. So Harley's official statement on on, uh, oil consumption is a heavyweight powertrain, meaning like a touring bike, um, even like the uh, soft tails, a heavyweight powertrain. They can, they're allowed a consumption of up to one quart of oil every thousand miles. That might seem like a lot. And in a car world, that is a lot. But in, in air cooled engine world, that's not a lot. Um, and that's not enough to make one your quart every thousand one quart miles. every thousand miles. That, that seems like a lot. So 
that's enough to make your dipstick read low. So that's ba- I go back to my original, like check your oil often. If you haven't checked your oil in a thousand miles, you could conceivably be a quart low, and that's considered acceptable. Because a Milwaukee eight is like what? Yeah. How many quarts? Uh, capacity wise, yeah. uh, it's like, like three. Well, real world, I think they stated it's like four something, four. Um, but real world, like when we change the oil, they take like three and some change, you okay. know, um, of real real world oil. Yeah. So if if you don't check your oil, if you haven't checked your oil in a thousand miles, you can conceivably be a quart low and not even know. And you're run, and the less oil you have, the less it's going to clean, less it's going to cool and lubricate the engine. Um, so maybe if in that case, maybe top it off a little bit before yeah. you get to that five thousand mile increment. Maybe yeah, you should be checking it. I mean. I would recommend check-wise, um, the best scenario is check it be- before every time you ride. I know it's sometimes unrealistic for people, but uh, at least check it every time you fill up the gas tank. That's my, you know, kind of standard answer on when you should check your oil. You know, while you're pumping gas or when, right when you're done, just make it a habit. Go pull your oil dipstick. Normally, there's rags right there. You can check it, you know, and then, then you know if you're low and you got to put it in. Um, so that's heavyweight. So uh, middleweight powertrains like Sportsters, um I don't, the street's not involved in that. Well, a street is middleweight, but it's a different beast because it's water-cooled and stuff like that. But like a Sportster, they can consume uh, up to a quart of oil every 1,500 miles. So the mile interval is longer. The the strains on the engine are different. They're, they're not moving around as much pressure, um, things like that, that, that'll keep it from consuming oil. But, um, yeah, so that's my kind of take on oil consumption. I stick to what Harley recommends. If it's if it's more than, a, more than a quart every 1,000, so the test for that is, you know, Top off your oil, go ride 500 miles, check it. If it's not too low, ride another 500 and check it. If it didn't consume more than a quart, then that's normal consumption. If it's it's not a quart every thousand isn't enough to make the bike smoke or a bunch of soot in the exhaust or anything like that. It's not going to make a plug wet or anything like that. that. That's enough. It'll burn that off with without anyone even noticing. It's it's not a you know no big deal. Um, so I wanted to mention that only because it. That's a question that I routinely get. Um, it comes up, you know, a, a lot in, in, my, in my world. So, yeah. um, you know, my just in closing, you know, my my uh, recommendation. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about a little yeah. bit about what, what what are the takeaways? You know, people want to get information from this. So, yeah. you know, the, the main takeaways, you know, what, what oil should people be using and what, what are some of the, the biggest things they need to be doing oil-wise to make their bike run good and to last, you know, as, as long as possible? Check your oil often. The number one, like I said originally. And get them changed. All your fluids changed every 5,000 every miles. Every 5,000 miles. Stick to the, you know, as close as you can to the factory. So that's service transmission, primary, uh-huh. and engine oil every 5,000 miles. Every 5,000 miles. So Harley, you know, they do say that they're, you know, they're, even their Formula Plus can go 10,000 miles in a transmission. But like I was commenting on earlier, those gears are mashing that oil up, like, really a lot. Um, you know, the contact area and the, the stresses inside that transmission are, are pretty large. You're asking a lot of oil to last 10,000 miles doing that. Um, so like I was saying earlier, you know, we, that's our recommendation. That's what we do in our shop because we meet, you know, quote, quote unquote, or exceed Harley Davidson's recommendations on, on service intervals. Um, so yeah, check your oil often, change it when you're supposed to change it. Um, Use a high-quality oil, you know, your buddy that's, you know, mixing up oils down the street or in his garage or whatever he's doing is probably not the best qualified guy to be making oil re- a recommendation yeah. to you. And, so. and so just to clarify that, your your recommendation is the Harley-Davidson oils, like you mentioned, the, mm-hmm. the Sin 3 and the engine case and then Formula Plus and the transmission and the primary. Yep. And, you know, if, if you spend more money for the other stuff... It's, it's not necessarily it's, it's, it's bad. Necess- it's not. It's not but bad, but are you? You're maybe not getting the extra benefit per dollar spent. Yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah, and I know we're going to get some hate for you know all oh, those guys would recommend Harley oil because that's what they right, sell. Right, we're a Harley store, and people are going to expect that from us. But, but I, I would encourage those people. You know, go and read these two articles. I'm saying the same thing that they that they said, and they these people that wrote these articles are experienced just like me, real world experience doing what we do day in and day out. And, and what they said is to use the manufacturer. You can't, what, yeah, their, ex, their exact statement, I know for sure the Revzilla one says it very clearly. You can't go wrong using what the vehicle manufacturer recommends for oil. On, the, on a lot of levels, I that, would say, too. Like on the yeah. level of, you know, mechanically and, and lubrication-wise and, and physically, that's good oil. But also, you know, when it comes to, you know, warranty uh, situations mm-hmm. and things like that. Like yeah. you're also protecting yourself. There's never and a question. There's no question yeah. about it. You use the Harley stuff. It's, so. it's above question questioning. There's no, you know, there's no, 
there's no like, oh well, what oil is that? Who makes it? Is it meant for this yeah. vehicle? Well, let's like, look into that oil. Was that the right? Yeah, was well, that the right type of of oil for that application? Yeah, that application. And that's where it all goes back to when you really, really, really dig into it. Like, what's the engine design and the lubricant that's in it? Was it designed? Was it specifically designed for that application by an engineer? Like the people that do these things. I'm not an engineer. You know, like I said, this is all my opinion. Um, take it or leave it. We can discuss it if you want to discuss it. We can go deep and we can go deeper if you want to, but you can get, you can go down a rabbit hole on these things and be here all day long. You know, we're already going longer than we already talked about, like yeah. on the specifics of these things, but you know, go and read those articles, man. They, they uncover a lot of information that you don't think about on a daily basis that I don't even think about sometimes, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing my work, but the, those articles, by the way, will be linked uh, yeah. in the notes on either and both. I'm going to post this to YouTube and also our podcast is up by the way on Apple podcasts and, and any other platform where you typically listen to podcasts. Uh, yeah. Our podcast has gone live at this point. So look at the notes in the episode and you'll find those articles that. Yeah. And I would say, man, the, the feedback's been great. You know, like even the, fact that Matt and I were sitting across from each other was a recommendation from one one guy that I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. It'll keep me from not looking at the camera all the time, which I've been trying to pay more attention to. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, bring it on, bring the questions, bring the comments. Yeah, we welcome it. You know, we uh, you know, we we enjoy the feedback. Um, I've enjoyed interacting with the few people that I've interacted with online, trying to you know answer their questions, and we've emailed back and forth about bars and about engines and all these different things, and that's what I do. Um, the YouTube comments is a full-time job. <laughs> yeah, right. So I try not to check them too much just uh, and answer the ones that I think I can answer. You know, Matt's probably versed to answer some of them better than me. But, um, yeah, it's, it's it's great. Yeah, so far the reaction to the first podcast has been great. Hopefully this one will be yeah. good too. You know, if you got more questions about oil, you want to talk a little more about it, hit, hit us up, get at us on email or whatever, and we can talk. Um, all day long, but I think I talked enough about lubricants and yeah, yeah. And no, stuff, you so. covered some really good topics, and I yeah. actually I learned a few things too. So yeah, I appreciate that. And yeah, yeah guys, if you listen to uh, us on podcast platform, make sure you subscribe to that podcast yes. and also rate us. You know, obviously we appreciate five stars, but we also want you to genuinely give us your your honest feedback as well. And yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and like like we mentioned already. Feel free to leave a comment in the comment section below. We try to get back to everybody. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes it gets a little bit daunting when we get too many comments. But, and uh, let us know your recommendations for future tech talk. You know, we, we've just kind of scratched the surface on, you know, picking uh, Keith's brain clean on yeah. all the service related items. So let us know what topic you want Keith to, uh, to cover in the next one. And I think our next episode, we're actually going to have Bob Laidlaw here talking about how he started the dealership and, you know, how he started off in the whole Harley-Davidson world. Yeah, we're, we've been talked about that last time, too, and we're trying to get, get to that. And, you know, Bob's a busy guy, man. He's got a lot going on. So, yeah, we got to get him when we can get him. But, yeah, we're, hope we got some time scheduled with him, and we'll, we'll get it done. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, so. thanks a lot for watching, guys, and yeah. uh, we'll see you on the next one. All right, see you next time.